0: Well, good morning, Elevation. Good to be with you once again. Uh, For those of you who might just be joining online for the first time, my name is Brandon. I'm the lead pastor here at Elevation in Waterloo. Uh, Read a headline a couple of weeks ago, and it's one of those headlines that you just have to read the article that goes along with it. The headline said, Thai restaurant owners given 723 years in prison for seafood scam. You know what I mean, right? You have to read the article. So basically what happened was that the co-owners of this restaurant, decided that they would sell vouchers for their seafood buffet uh, and then not honour them. So hundreds of these vouchers were sold and then people complained, they were arrested and they were given each given 723 years in prison for selling these fake vouchers that they never intended to honour. Seems a little crazy. Now fortunately according to Thai law the maximum jail time is actually 20 years. Now even that seems a little extreme but it illustrates the sense of injustice that we all feel When, like the people who bought those vouchers, we don't get what we expected. See, we all start off life with a set of expectations about how the world ought to work. In the very beginning, it's something as simple as, I should be fed when I'm hungry and changed when I'm wet. From there we go on to, uh, I shouldn't skin my knees when I trip and fall. Or, I should be in the same class as my friends at school. Or, then it becomes, the girl or the boy that I like should like me back. I should get into the school that I want for college or university. Marriage should come easy. I should be able to afford to buy a house. I should find a fulfilling job. I shouldn't get bad news from the doctor. My child's marriage shouldn't fall apart. I should be able to enjoy retirement. I should live a long and happy life. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with being optimistic or hoping for the best. But having high expectations can leave us sorely disappointed when the world fails to live up to its billing, as it is pretty much guaranteed to do. And so this morning we're going to talk about disillusionment, defined as a feeling of disappointment resulting from the discovery that something is not as good as one believed it to be. Now, last Sunday morning, Graham talked to us about doubt. And I like this one element of what he said. He talked about how like having doubts is one thing, but a crisis of doubt is when all of the doubts kind of amalgamate together. Uh, There's an accumulative effect. And I think the same thing can happen with disillusionment. There can be one area of our life that we're experiencing this deep disappointment about, or it can be something that accumulates across our life as a whole. But it's not only the world around us that can leave us feeling disillusioned. We can do it to ourselves. When we fail to live up to our own expectations, I'm not the person that I wanted to be. I've got no one to blame but myself. And then the tailspin really picks up. Now, this is a bit of a heavy start, I realized. So I'm gonna give you some good news and we'll come back to this at the end. The thing about disillusionment is that it actually sets us free from something that was by definition an illusion, something that was not real to begin with. So disillusionment, while it doesn't feel good in the moment, is actually a good thing. It frees us up from believing something that we never should have believed to begin with. So this week is Canada Day and that's exciting for a lot of reasons. Uh, When I think about Canada Day, I think about the fact that you can wear red and white anything. It doesn't matter what it is or how good or bad it looks on you as long as it's red and white. I think about going to Columbia Lake as upwards of 60,000 people do every year here in KW. Now of course we won't be able to do that this year. With uh, pandemic restrictions, you might have a group of 10 people gathering at Columbia Lake, but certainly not tens of thousands. And all because of a little virus. Do you know how small a virus actually is? I was reading about this last week. If you were to take a virus and blow it up to the size of a tennis ball, to get in a sense of how small a virus is in a human body, that tennis ball would be inside of a human 500 miles tall. So, a little tennis ball, and a human basically lying down on the ground between here and New York City. It's this tiny little thing. And this global pandemic that we're in the middle of is a reminder of just how fragile our world really is. Now again, we Canadians love our country, but not unconditionally. In the last week, on two different occasions, people have dumped red paint on the statue of Sir John A. Macdonald uh, outside Castle Kilbride in Baden. So John McDonald was Canada's first Prime Minister, one of the longest serving, but he was also responsible for oppressing First Nations people. This, following on the heels of a wave of protests in response to police shootings, reminding us of just how unfair our world is. A world where, for some unfathomable reason, the colour of a person's skin determines how much or how little they should expect from the world. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I said we were gonna engage in some intentional conversation about that, and we're doing it right now. Last week, an email was sent out with an invitation to listen to a podcast, an interview between Brene Brown and Ibram Kendi. And uh, hopefully you had a chance to listen to that. The theme is how to be an anti-racist. And this coming Thursday, July the 2nd at 7.30, we're gonna join together on a Zoom call to discuss the content of of that podcast in our continued effort to understand this unfair world that we live in. So yes, this world of ours is fragile and this world of ours is unfair. And for these reasons and more, it will continually disappoint us. So what do we do? How do we respond? Rachel Held Evans once wrote that cynicism is a powerful anesthetic we use to numb ourselves to pain but which also by its nature numbs us to truth and joy. Grief is healthy Even anger can be healthy, but numbing ourselves with cynicism in an effort to avoid feeling those things is not. Now, a lot of us have probably applied the seductive salve of cynicism from time to time. Things will never change. There's nothing you can do. God couldn't care less. Truth is our world is both beautiful and tragic at the same time. And we have to find a way to live up to its disappointments without letting it suck the life out of us. Now this morning's reading comes from the last chapter of John's Gospel. In John 21 we read about um, Peter talking to his fellow disciples saying, I'm going out to fish. And their response will go with you. Now just as a reminder if you're not really familiar with the story, Jesus' disciples have just witnessed his violent arrest, a sham trial, and his horrific execution. And so they're pretty down in the dumps. You want to talk about being disillusioned, they had every reason to be. But they've also witnessed his miraculous resurrection. Why then does this final chapter of John's gospel begin with the disciples right back where they started? As if the entire three and a half year journey of following Jesus never even happened. Well, if you've ever experienced disillusionment, you know exactly why. The toll that a truly deep disappointment takes on your soul doesn't usually allow for a quick comeback. I've been there. I I know what it's like to be finished, done, spent, empty, sick, and tired. Now, maybe something exciting happens and you have a great day, that's gonna happen. But then you wake up the next morning and you remember that the world is, well, it's not the place that you thought it was. So the disciples went, And they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Kind of like my son, Jude. Now he might not like me telling this story. Uh, And in fact, two years ago, I thought he was going to be a fishing prodigy. Uh, We were up camping one time. He went down to the dock, put his rod on the water and first cast, caught himself a fish. It was incredible. But since then, not a whole lot of luck, as in zero fish. But it's not what the disciples caught or didn't catch that matters. It's the fact that they were fishing. If we go back in their story, three and a half years to when they first met Jesus, this is what we read in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So Jesus calls this aimless group of fishermen to reposition themselves to fish for people. The story continues. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. But now here they are after all that they had been through, just as aimless as before, settling for safety and stability instead of engaging the work that Jesus had called them to. Now that is disillusionment. That's what happens when you discover the world is not what you thought it was, even if you have literally seen someone raised from the dead. Okay, now back to the present, John 21, verse four to six. Earlier in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Now what I really want to focus on is what comes next. Because sometimes it's not disappointment with the world around us that leads us to disillusionment, but a disappointment with ourselves. John 21 verse 7. As soon as Simon Peter heard the other disciples say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Now this is exactly the thing we would expect from Peter, right? Uh, Think about it, Matthew chapter 14, uh, Jesus comes walking to the disciples on the water and Peter calls out, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And he jumps out of the boat and Peter himself starts walking on the water. Or how about Matthew 16, where Jesus is asking his followers, who are people saying that I am? And they're saying, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God first one to just publicly affirm who Jesus was or how about Matthew 26 when Jesus made mention that he was about to be rested and tried and and that all his followers would scatter and abandon him and Peter says even if all fall away on account of you I never will well Jesus followed that up by saying actually Peter you're gonna deny that you knew even know me three times before the rooster crows each of these bold actions of state and statements of Peter's were matched that night by a denial that he even knew Jesus. And after the third denial, we read in Luke 22, verse 61 and 62, The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him, and he went outside and wept bitterly. The Chinese author Watchman Nee once wrote that when Peter spoke as he did, he was expressing his heartfelt desire but he mistook himself for the man he desired to be. Peter wanted to pay the utmost price to follow the Lord, but he was not the kind of man he thought he was. Have you ever been there where you couldn't keep up with your good intentions? Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it was on a career path, parenting, personal goals you set for yourself, maybe life goals where you had high ideals and just that you can't live up to them I remember a few years ago maybe 10 years ago someone uh, in our church community someone I really respect came up to me and he said Brandon you know listen I said I love your passion love your vision um, uh, you're doing a good job with this church but but there's something I got to tell you he said you have this tendency to to get really excited about something to cast this giant vision and then just kind of let it go and he said I just want I just want you to continue to be passionate but I want you to make sure that you can follow through on the things you're talking to us about. Man, that was tough to hear. When I read recently the words of Alain de Botton, it rang true for me. He said, if we are not regularly, deeply embarrassed by who we are, the journey to self-knowledge hasn't begun. Yeah, it's tough to acknowledge that we're not the people that we sometimes say that we are, that we can't live up to the expectations we put out there for ourselves. Now, getting older, as a way of helping out with this, uh, physically pointing out our limitations. I can't do all the things I could do 10 years ago, certainly not 20 years ago. And so the body kind of helps our mind and our heart make the adjustment uh, to our limitations. But Peter didn't have the benefit of age yet. He was most likely under the age of 30, so he he kind of uh, still had everything together. Um, so what did Jesus do in response uh, to this fishing incident on the on the where they came in with this giant haul of fish well jesus says to peter essentially let's go find a place to chat just you and i and what do you think peter is thinking in this moment well he's probably thinking something like well i'm finished so jesus calls him over and he says to simon peter simon son of john do you love me more than these now the these is something that we're not really sure uh, what this means? What exactly was he talking about here? Was he talking about the fish or the boats? Maybe uh, was he talking about the other disciples? Do you love me more than they do? Um, Peter says yeah, of course. I love you. And Jesus repeats the question a second time and then he repeats it a third time one For each of Peter's three denials John twenty-one seventeen, we read that Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Do you love me? Donald Coggan, who wrote the book Christ in our crises, uh, which is the title that I gave this series he said don't forget that the remaking began with the breaking it began when jesus turned and looked on peter and peter broke down and wept it was calling peter out on his shortcomings that was the beginning of rebuilding something new in peter's life when peter could acknowledge that he had fallen short that he had not lived up to the person he thought he was that's when the rebuilding process began and so following jesus had not turned out the way that peter had expected Uh, But Jesus wasn't done with him. Now he does something really interesting. John 21 verse 17, Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep. I think this is really interesting. I think this is a compassionate act on Jesus' part. You see, initially he had told Peter that he was going to be a fisher for people. And then Peter went back to actual fishing for fish. And I think not to rub salt in the wound, Jesus decides to mix the metaphor up a little bit. He says, you know what? From now on, you're going to feed my sheep. He provides this new metaphor to renew Peter's calling. But what Jesus really provides here is his presence. Peter might have said, I'm finished, Jesus is done with me. But Jesus said, I'm not finished with you. The next time we meet Peter, well, it's after Jesus' ascension where Peter is the de facto leader of the church at that time and soon enough he is standing up preaching boldly to a crowd of thousands of people. You see, when our own shortcomings get the best of us, When we fail to live up to what God has called us to, when we realize that we're not always the people that we hoped we would be, in those moments, Christ comes to us in our crisis. And he asks us a similar question. Do you love me? A couple of thoughts in closing here this morning. Whether it's the world around us that is disappointing us or whether it's ourselves and our own inability to live up to our expectations, well, the feeling can be overwhelming. But as I said before, disillusionment actually sets us free from something that was by definition an illusion. Something that was not real to begin with. The goal is not to lower our expectations so far that we'll never be disappointed, but to learn how to accept disappointment with the world and with ourselves so we can stop living an illusion and start living the life that is the only possible life to live, the one right in front of us, right here and right now, with Christ in all of our crises. Let us pray. Lord, I'm grateful that regardless of what the crisis that we see in front of us, death, loss, doubt, disillusionment, that you come to us. And this morning, as we've been talking about the deep disappointment that we can feel and experience in life, I pray that you would come to us, that you would give us a new vision, that you would give us a new metaphor for our life, that you would let us know that we are not finished, there is still much in store for us. Go ahead of us, lead us on, call us into a bright future. In Jesus name, amen. All right, well as I do every week I'm gonna invite you to join in some discussion following our service this morning. You can hop on a neighbor's chat group. Uh, If you're not part of a regular neighbor's group there'll be a link in the comments right now. You can hop on there, uh, check in with people, see how your week's been going, as well as diving into some questions that I've written based on this morning's theme. Peace to you.